Welcome everyone to episode 25 of Down to Play. I'm your host, Dapper Tux, along with Next Gen Player. For this show, we'll be giving our review of Mafia Definitive Edition, Fight Crab, and Ease Origin. Next Gen is also giving us a special preview of NHL 21. Before we start, I'd just like to give a special thanks to the publishers for providing many of the games reviewed in this episode. Mafia Definitive Edition is built from the ground up and it's a remake of the beloved classic that released in 2002. Developed by Hangar 13 and published by 2K, it's now available on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. You can buy Mafia Definitive Edition separately or the trilogy as a bundle, which gives you Mafia Definitive plus remasters of Mafia 2 and 3. The Mafia remake includes 4K visuals, enhanced gameplay, a larger map, more collectibles, an updated script, additional cutscenes, all new gameplay sequences, a re-recorded orchestral score, a new voice cast, and other enhancements. It's more content than you can shake a Tommy gun at. <laughs> so uh, next gen, what were your uh, what were your thoughts on the game? I was super excited to play this game because I'm a big fan of mafia film and video games. Uh, obviously, if you see me on Twitter, you know that I love y- Yakuza. I can tweet about that seemingly like every week about how much yeah. I love that series. Um, but I also love stuff like Godfather, Goodfellas, Sopranos, like anything mafia. I've, I've probably watched a few episodes or watched the movie. So this story is just fantastic. Like the original Mafia was an instant classic on the PS2 and it's really, really awesome to have it back. And uh, it's sort of like a reimagined story. They they fleshed out some of the characters a little bit more. There's, you know, a lot more cutscenes and just a lot more detail in it. I especially liked the main character um, who is Tom, Tommy Angelo. So he is just like a regular everyday taxi driver and he gets sort of wrapped up in this mafia story. And it's really cool because, I mean, like he starts out, he's really struggling. He can't even really afford anything. Um, And, uh, you know, by the end, he's just loaded with money and he's got he's a fully fleshed gangster. So it's kind of like you can almost picture yourself as him. That's that's what I liked about it. Like, it's just like, you know, he's a regular everyday guy and the cool thing, though, is just watching his evolution where he, he just starts out in, in like his taxi gear and then slowly he gets his mafia outfits going and then, you know, he gets the hat, he gets the lingo, he gets the, you know, throwing the cash around, stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a just like it's just such a really, really, really good story. Um, and if you like story based games, then you're, you're definitely going to love this one because the game is actually chapter driven as well. So um, it's like an open world kind of like GTA, but every single chapter um, has like, you know, a specific mission that you have to go on. Usually there's like a big gunfight at, at the end of it. Um, but uh, but it's like, it is kind of linear. Like it just, it pushes you along the narrative. And for me, I like that. I mean, what did you think of the story? I really enjoyed it. I love how it was told in a series of flashbacks so you kind of have a disaster at the beginning of the game uh you know of of tommy really struggling and then everything is you know kind of happens via a flashback so that was that was one of my big pluses for it so again i love the cinematic presentation uh in definitive edition and as a fan of the godfather series i like how the story is approached and again they didn't change too much in terms of the 2002 original story from the game but it's incredible as ever and i'm really happy it was given this extensive remake the graphics are jaw-droppingly gorgeous from extremely detailed faces to detailed classic cars uh, even they belong in their own 1930s racing game uh, with over 50 of those cars attainable i really found myself like you know trying to trying to collect and pop some more into my own garage uh, i love the 360 degree views of them and each car has a unique vintage look and handles differently so most are 
you know, big and slow as you'd expect. And you can even get motorcycles, which is new to this version. And the reflections were also stunning on the automobiles, puddles, night scenes. Graphics were just absolutely incredible, along with the audio too, which I absolutely love. We've given some pretty high praise to uh, Tommy and his buddies. <laughs> what were some things that you, you disliked about, you know, Mafia Definitive Edition? And, you know, be careful. They might find you, break your legs. But <laughs> First thing I didn't like in the game is that I thought that the cops were too easy to lose. So they've got sort of like, it's just like in, in like Need for Speed or, or in Grand Theft Auto where you've got sort of like, uh, like different tiers of, of how much the cops have noticed you. Um, so the thing is like, you know, the, the first couple of tiers, I found it just be super easy to, to get away from the cops. Like you can just literally just drive your way out of them. But I noticed a little bit into the game that if you just get out of your car and just run into a side street, like I ran into one time, it was the, the Chinatown side street. And I just kind of like stood there for a second and the cops were like, I think we, like, I don't know where he is. I think we lost them. I'm, I'm like, dude, like my, my car is like parked right there. Like you saw me get out of my car. <laughs> as soon as you get off the street, the cops just kind of don't really pay attention. Um, so that's definitely a, a downside. Um, another thing I, I found was uh, the game was a little bit buggy and glitchy. Uh, not too bad. I mean, overall, like, as you were saying, the graphics look great. The cutscenes look great and all that. But I just found that there was, like, the odd time where th there would be um, some choppiness or some frame drops. Um, the funniest bug that I had, I don't know if you had this when you were playing, but sometimes when I was driving, things would just disappear. So I, I would be, like, I'd be driving along. <laughs> and it, it, I would be, like, you know, I, I'm in one of these like 1930 big boat cars i'm cruising down the street at like 30 miles an hour i go to turn and there's a pedestrian there and i'm like i'm freaking out in my head oh no like i'm, I'm gonna hit this pedestrian and then suddenly he disappears <laughs> <laughs> i had some police officers glitch to the top of their car during a mission so they were just standing on the roof of their car but yeah, i had like myself fall through the, uh, the actual world a couple times but yeah definitely hear you on the the buggy glitchy side but again it's so it's so expansive and everything just looks so good i don't know i was i was willing to forgive there but it's uh, they were undeniably there i think with any more open open world sandbox style game like this you're gonna have that yeah another thing that that i didn't like was uh, i thought the enemies were a little bit too spongy I should actually preface by saying that the gameplay I loved. So the gameplay, like there's uh, there's cover shooting. Um, you've got a bunch of different guns. You've got handguns. You've got uh, shotguns. You can throw Molotov cocktails. Like I actually really, really liked the combat. I thought it was really engaging and really, really exciting. Every bad guy though had a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> That's what I found. The minute I hit cover, I was like, oh, well, he's got a Molotov. They've got a Molotov, <laughs> so yeah. Because I know that there was a few times where someone would throw it at me. I'd I'd dodge it. Then he'd be like, "I'm gonna throw another one." I'm like, "What are you doing, man? Like, what you got? Like, you know, you're you're like you got five Molotovs strapped to your your waist or something? What's going on here?" Oh man, do you remember Call of Duty World at War with the grenades when you would play it on veteran? Oh man, you'd just be like, you'd hit cover and the grenades would just be like, doo -doo 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 -doo, like right in front of you. It was the same thing with this game except with Molotovs. But <laughs> so I found like in general, it, it would take about three shots to put down any of the enemies. But the other thing too is that the enemies didn't react to the first couple of shots, which kind of took me out of the realism a little bit. Like I would actually just walk up to an enemy. I'd shoot him, you know, maybe like in the waist and in the, the leg. And you would, you would think that like something would change. Like maybe he's limping or like, I don't know, maybe he would just move a little bit differently, but then he just kind of like, he just walks around like nothing happened. And I'm, I'm like, oh man, like it's, uh, you know, even sometimes when you get headshots, I noticed that that, that 
didn't put down the enemy. But again, like it's a minor complaint because overall I love the gameplay. It's just, uh, yeah, I would have liked the, the sponginess to be sort of dialed down a little bit. What about you? Is there anything else though you didn't like or? Yeah, so for me, like, uh, again, I did like the, some of the cover mechanics, but the third person over the shoulder gun mechanics, I found they were a little bit uninspired. It wasn't absolutely perfect. Uh, I found, again, third person shooters like Gears of War and that were a little bit quicker to the take, but I don't know if it was more of an intent of an era style thing. Like you mentioned before with the glitches, I also ran into the odd odd glitch while playing. I had Angelo's character just completely fall through the map. Uh, <laughs> but again, th- th- that was few and far between. It, it, it made for some interesting uh, Xbox shares, that's for sure. The fact that I really want to see more of this incredible open world that was remade to, you know, such, you know, graphical perfection used a little bit more in the story, which I found overall a little uh, linear. So other than that, it would have been nice to, you know, do a little bit more open world exploring, which I know the player could take it upon themselves, but I feel like with just such a wide open city, could have seen uh, a whole lot more. Uh, With our pluses and minuses, though, uh, Next Gen, what would you score uh, Mafia Definitive Edition out of 10? I'm a huge fan of story-based games, and this story was just unreal awesome, so... I'm going to give this one an eight and a half out of 10. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I'm I'm number one. I'm a big sucker for any mafia stories. I'm a huge sucker for great, uh, even if they're a little bit linear, like I mentioned, uh, story-driven titles, period. So I'm going to give this one a nine out of 10. Uh, it's one that you got to pick up and play. 2K and Hangar 13, they've made us uh, an offer here that we just can't refuse. <laughs> Get those snippers ready because here comes next-gen players Fight Crab review. Fight Crab is an over-the-top 3D battle game featuring gigantic crabs armed with ridiculous weapons and powers. It's published by Mastiff and developed by Kalapa Games and out now on Nintendo Switch and PC. The basic premise? You are a crab. You embark on a world tour of devastation, flipping over as many crabs as possible in a quest to be crowned Lord of the Crustaceans. Progress through the game and unlock playable crabs, learn more powerful skills, and amass an arsenal of deadly weapons. Next gen, this one sounds zany and wild. You got to break this one down for us. What were some of your pluses in this uh, wild crustacean adventure? So Fight Crab is such a funny, interesting game. I mean... Even the name itself, like you can tell, obviously they're they're playing on Fight Club, and everything in this game is like it has a comedic tone. It's very self aware, so it knows that it's over the top ridiculous. The funny thing about <laughs> it knows it's ridiculous. That's important. Absolutely knows that it's ridiculous. The funny thing about this is that. This actually began as a meme because I'm sure you've seen the photo of the crab holding a knife. This was like, I think this was yeah. back like some like three, four years ago. It ran around social media. And uh, yeah, so I it, I believe somebody saw that photo and was like, wow, like, let's make a game like that. So this this story is just so over the top. Like it, you're essentially like some god of the crustaceans <laughs> decided that that we are going to have this big battle royal and all the crabs all around the world are going to come together and they're going to have this this like fighting competition um and i thought really that it was going to be all about like pinching and snipping your your opponent right like i thought you'd be different crabs and you would like yeah f- like fling your claws and and bite them and pinch them and stuff like this within the very first uh, story mission suddenly i'm fighting these crabs that are wielding stuff like one has a, a kitchen knife one has a pistol there's one that had uh rockets on his back so it could sort of fly a little bit in the air right and then you get into like funnier levels there was one that i played 
that takes place. It looks like it's in Japan, and and there's like there's crab ninjas. So there's ninjas that are, are that are that are throwing ninja stars at you. One has a tonfa. One has nunchucks. Like oh man, this game is just so ridiculous. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, la- a later mission too where the, uh, this, this one like really made me laugh. It takes place in a fresh crab food market, and suddenly I was facing these two crabs that they just, they had their, like, claws behind their back, and they whip them out, and they've got lightsabers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in this game, they call them beam savers, obviously, because they don't want to, you know, copyright Star Wars. But, um, but like, essentially what you do in this game is you are, like, these big lumbering crabs. You have to outfit your crabs with all these ridiculous weapons. Like, after you essentially beat a level then you unlock all those weapons that you can purchase. So you actually get currency at the end of each level as well. So you can go and you can purchase, like there's stuff like nunchucks and poleaxe and shields and a whip sword and a gu- an axe gun and chainsaw. Yeah, <laughs> chainsaw's funny. Just imagine like a crab, like with it's two pinchers with a chainsaw going around. Oh my gosh, it's just so funny. Um, and the one thing that I liked about this game too is that there's a, a really awesome upgrade system. So the upgrade system is like the main reason why I went back to playing this game. So essentially like you get this currency and then you can spend the currency to upgrade your crab and you can upgrade things like your attack and your defense, your pincher movement speed, your crab movement speed, etc. And I just found that like I, I like sort of maxing out my characters, just one of the things that I like doing. And so, you know, had they not had that, I probably would have, you know, played the campaign and like maybe a little bit of, of online and then I would have been done. But I just keep on going back to this game because I want to build the ultimate crab, like the fastest, the fastest, the strongest, the the, he- the heaviest armored crab. Now, in terms of things that I didn't like with the game, the controls are a little bit of a nightmare. Like the con- controls are a little bit sluggish. Like you're the this big bulky crab. You you move slow, you turn slow, you, you like <laughs> you flail, you punch slow, like um it, it's kind of like again the game's self-aware it, it knows that it's kind of like awkward gameplay but so you just have to accept it like it's i i thought that it was bad gameplay but it's kind of like fresh and interesting and so i did kind of enjoy it a little bit it's kind of like a pro anacon um and also like the game is weird like super weird so i can see that being a con I, for me I don't know, I'm sort of like lukewarm. I, I, it's it's not that I, you know, I thought that it was like overly weird, but I mean, like, it's just, there's just the most ridiculous things. And, and if you're looking for like a serious fighting game, this is definitely not for, not the way you should be looking for. Um, the other thing too that I didn't like is there's a little bit of slowdown. So sometimes you can actually get partner crabs and, and you can have like two versus two matches. Um, and sometimes there would be a little bit of slowdown when I was playing. So um, overall though, I thought, the game was fun. The game actually was surprisingly fun to me. Um, I, di- I wasn't sure how much I was going to enjoy it, but I actually, I, I keep on going back every day. So I'm going to give this game a, a solid seven and a half. Uh, next up for review is Ease Origin, action role-playing game developed and published by Nihon Falcom for Microsoft Windows in 2006. The console version of the game uh, were both released by .emu for the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita in 2017, and for the Xbox One in 2018, and finally now for the Nintendo Switch in 2020. Ease Origin is a prequel to the eight previous installations of the Ease video game series. It takes place 700 years before the events of 
Ease 1, Ancient, Ease Vanished, and tells much more of the backstory of the Ease Darm Tower, Black Pearl, the Twin Goddesses, and the Six Priests. Uh, next gen, I again, I was green as grass to this series. I think you're a little bit more of a veteran when it comes to this game. Let's start off with your thoughts. Uh, what were some things that you liked about the title? I thought the combat, first of all, was the thing that I liked the most about this game. It's sort of like Zelda meets Diablo with a touch of Secret of Mana. Uh, it's really, really simple. It's really easy to get into you. That's what I liked about it. It's you, you run, you jump, you attack, you got magic. And that's pretty much it. And it's constant action. And I really like the drop of Diablo that you gave because I'm a big Diablo fan and I love the gear pickups constantly. It really kept me engaged. Yeah, I mean, like action RPGs and RPGs in general, they tend to alienate players because they're all like super stat based and they just take forever to figure out. But no, this one, like you literally you, you drop in and you've got the gameplay mastered within the first 10 minutes, right? Like it's just you you, you end up getting power ups. So you get new things and new abilities that you can sort of, you know, figure out and, and, and you know, evolve your gameplay over time. But it's just super pick up and play. And I like that a lot about this. Um I also like on Nintendo Switch, it's locked at 60 frames per second. So super fast gameplay. Um, and there's just some cool stuff that I like with this. Like there's things like the boost meter. So you can um, you can essentially like, you know, as you attack, you build up the boost meter. And then you can uh, release that, which gives you stronger attacks and uh, more defense. And then there's also, um, as we were mentioning with Diablo... When you destroy enemies, they burst into like a, a wealth of jewels and upgrades. And oh yeah, you feel like you hit the jackpot every time. It's like confetti, <laughs> confetti type. And the biggest thing that that they give you is uh, SP, which SP lets you upgrade like various abilities for your character, so you can get uh, less terrain damage. You can charge your boost faster. You can recharge your magic faster, etc. etc. Um, yeah, and the next thing that I really liked with this game was there's three playable characters. So the game is only, geez, man, it's like eight hours to, to beat this game. I played as the guy Hugo Fact. He is a magician. He's sort of the long range uh, character. He's got a bunch of magic spells. and But you can also play as a character called Unica uh, Tova. And she is sort of like uh, the hand-to-hand -hand melee. She's got axes. She's got a fire sword, stuff like that. That's kind of interesting because you went with Hugo. I ended up going with Unica because I, I I was reading that she was more hand to hand, and that's just the style that I play. Whenever I'm giving like the uh, option, I'm always like a barbarian in Diablo, so I figured that it would transfer over well. So it's it's kind of cool that uh, our our listeners will get perspectives of both playthroughs uh, styles with Unica and Hugo. I like the fact that the game is just so short because. It's it's one of those games, like, I beat the game in about, I'd say about nine hours in total. I, I seem to, like, take a little bit longer than, yeah, than usual because yeah. I like to explore things, I guess. Um, but um, but I actually, like, as soon as I beat the game, I immediately went back because I want to play it again. And you can play, I want to, like, I started about two hours into my Unica playthrough. And I even uh, was reading that there's a third character, which you'll meet in the game. His name is The Claw. Um, and he becomes playable after you beat the game with Unica. So there's actually three characters. So you should play the game three, three times. Yeah. Oh, cool. So overall, there's like about 25 hours worth of gameplay. Yeah, that way, that weighs in super high for some serious replayability. Yeah. Um, were there any other things that you liked about the game? Yeah, uh, for me, again, I do enjoy RPGs, but I need them to be a little bit more action-oriented, and this game has it in spades. I love how they really accentuated the actions like heavily with a great mix of both combat and magic, and you're constantly doing battle against well-balanced enemies, so I don't find 
I, it gets grindy at points, but at the same time, because the different sort of, uh, you know, environments you run up to and enemies you run into, there is a lot of variety, makes it a lot more fun to move on through. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, I went with the hack and slash Unica and the other choice that you went with the Hugo, the ranged fighter. Uh, but I really enjoyed the hack and slash nature of Unica. And then again, continuing to fill up my power up bar in regards to continuing to combo and combo. So I really like that. It kept me super pulled into the action. And I really love the uh, dorm tower. Like it was very cool how I how it had the themed stages with water, fire, as well as sand. I like how it introduced you know different different enemy attacks and added to that variety. Um, so again, I don't know. It's uh, an experience that I really enjoyed, and I think it's one of the quintessential experiences or RPG experiences to have on your Switch, especially for trying to play an RPG on the go. This is this is one of those that checks all the boxes. Uh, next gen, what were some of the things that you, you disliked about the game? Wanted to see improvements around? So while I liked the gameplay, I said it was 60 frames per second, buttery smooth. I thought that the graphics were a little bit dated. So you've got yeah. this like, yeah, you like your character looks and, and feels great. But then the, the scenery just kind of looks like it's I mean, the original game came out in 2006. So you're looking at like, you know, 14 year old um they they've obviously like you know they bumped up the the graphics a little bit for the switch version but it still looks pretty dated um the other thing that I, that I thought is i i actually agree with you like i like the fact that the darm tower um has so many different elements to it like there's the fire there's the sand there's the the demon um spot but the thing is the entire game does take place within the darm's tower and it it like in co comparison to other RPGs that have like an, an overworld and they've got cities to visit and all these various places to to go to. This one does feel a little bit samey. Like you're in a tower. You're 25, 25 floors of a tower, right? So, um, and, and then as you're going up each floor, sometimes you get peeks off of a balcony to a world down below, and it's almost like a giant teaser of a place you will literally never go in the game. So, I can see that. Like I can see how you're the rich worlds found in games like Final Fantasy, where you feel like you explore a world over and over again yeah this one's just confined to a single tower the best way i can describe it is is look at the legend of zelda right the legend of zelda each of the the zeldas have tower or sorry have dungeons that you go to just imagine that the whole game is just the dungeons <laughs> there's no overworld yeah. right like you all the dungeons look different have different puzzles and different enemies and stuff like that so it does you know it, it does look and feel a little bit different but um, but yeah, I would have liked to have gone outside and like you know visited a city stuff like that. So um, and the last thing that that uh, that is a little bit of a con for me is that I found that at least for the latter half of the game, the game got, does get a bit grindy. So the first half, no problem. I beat yeah. I beat like something like 13, 14 floors, no issue whatsoever. Beat all the enemies or and all, all the bosses, um, no problem. But once you get to the latter half of the game, it does get a little bit more challenging, and there is a little bit of grinding to to do. The good thing is that the gameplay is really fun. So it is grindy, yeah. but I, I can say that I, it's not like I didn't enjoy it. Um, I actually had fun doing it. But um, but again, like I think I would have rather not grind. Like I, I like games that are just a little bit more balanced in that way. Yeah, totally. No, I found sometimes if you went over and above with exploring and you skip some combat sequences, you'd be punished later on by not being powerful enough against an, an enemy or a wave of enemies. Then you would have to go back and, like you said, just grind it out. But 
again, it could be worse, like with uh, other ways in other systems that games employ that it's not as effective, at least with this here, the gameplay is fun. So it's not so bad to go back and grind in regards to, I guess that kind of bridges perfectly to some of my key dislikes. Again, the length for this is a little bit short, which is kind of a double-edged sword here. If you're on the go and you're on the Nintendo Switch, maybe you're looking for something like this that's a little bit shorter. But if you're looking for a long RPG game, this is not the one, you know, I guess if you, you're right uh, next gen, if you look at it from the perspective of you can go through three times to play through those three different character characters, um, you'll get 25 to 30 hours. Uh, but again, if you're just looking for something for one go through, the one playthrough will take you, you know, seven to po potentially nine hours. Uh, and again, echoing a lot of your sentiments, especially with being... Uh, kind of grindy with combat in order to level up you'll hit bosses you'll get your clock totally cleaned and then you'll just have to essentially you know the game funnels you back to go replay areas and fight people that you fought before to level up again then come back and then fight that boss so it's it's a very common trope in games right but it's something that it would have been uh, something they could have addressed i guess and, and made it a little bit more intuitive and again, as you said before, it's a game from 2006. The graphics aren't doing it any favors at this point. But otherwise, the combat was excellent. I really enjoyed the game. Uh, next gen with our pluses and minuses, what would you score uh, this game out of 10? I'm going to give Ease Origin a very solid 8 out of 10. I liked it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, like 8 out of 10. I really like the fact that it's, it's an action RPG and you have to bold capitalize that action in RPG because it's just constant. And I really enjoyed it. Sure, one of the top action RPGs, that's for sure. All right, it's time to uh, drop the puck with our NHL 21 preview. Next Gen got a, a look uh, recently. He was invited by EA to a special virtual NHL 21 hands-on demo. So this was hosted by EA Sports NHL 21's creative director, William Ho. And uh, following the web presentation, NextGen was given access to an Xbox One demo build for 24 hours to play the retooled Be A Pro mode. Color me jealous, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this one. NextGen, what, uh, what are some things we can look forward to in NHL 21's revamped gameplay and graphics? Well, I have to say that the way that I, I got this demo was really, really interesting. Like, I'm so used, I'm sure, like, uh, like you, we're used to going to media events and meeting developers and playing like a half an hour or an hour of the game and then going home. So yeah. having a chance to have, you know, 24 hours where they essentially let me play the game was just phenomenal. I played at the comfort of my own home. I could take notes. So, you know, I hope that's sort of like the future of, of games media. I, yeah. I really, I really, I really liked it. Um, but yeah, so EA um, and William Ho, the director of the game, gave me access to the Be A Pro so Be A Pro is the big thing that they're putting their weight behind this year for NHL 21. This mode actually began a long time ago, back in 2008. But it's sort of like, they, they just sort of like, gave, like I, I thought it was just um, like sufficient in, in previous years. Like it was all right. Like I liked it. I definitely played it, but, um, but there wasn't like anything really special about it. This year, there's a lot special about it. They've like they've just blown it out into this big huge mode now. So um it's it's basically like it's narrative driven, but it's not like um Madden or NBA's story modes that are sort of like predetermined. It's more like MB MLB the show's road to the show mode. 
So essentially, like there, it is a narrative focus, but you control that narrative, and you control that narrative and how you respond to various characters in the game during the the actual games themselves. Like various characters, um, like your your coach and some of your teammates will come talk to you, and you have to respond. And what's really interesting about this is you've really got two different ways that you can respond back to them. One is the team response, and one is the star response. So the team response is you are basically like, you know, you're you're a team member, you're like rah, 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 like let's go team. These responses make your teammates like you better, they make they make your coach like you better, they make you gel better with your team, right? The star responses is sort of like you going on your own, saying, like, I'm gonna go ahead and, and make this play, like I'm gonna go ahead and score this goal, right? So it's like it's ego boosting, right? And the, what this does is this actually is for the sponsors and the fans, right? So you've actually got like a social media presence. Uh, you've got sponsors that will give you money. And if you brag and boast and say, I'm going to do all these cool things and you go out on the ice and you actually get the things done, then you get more sponsorship, you get more social media followers. But at the same time, your teammates aren't going to like you as much, right? Because, you know, they want everyone to gel as a team. And if you're like, you know, if you're this egomaniac and you just want to go off and be a superstar, um, your teammates might resent you. So you've got to like really balance it out. It's really, really interesting. And the thing is like, um, like William Hope stressed to me that the intention is not to drive you down one path. Like don't always pick, you know, to be a team player, don't always pick to be a star. Like it really just, just depends on the situation. Um, but what I thought was really, really cool is like, there'll be moments where, um, you know, say your coach will come to you on the, the third period and uh and you know just say that you know he's got this new play that he wants you to do and you can respond back and just say like you know i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna win i'm gonna do the the game winning goal right now right and then you actually can go on the ice you can win you can you can get the goal you can win the game and then when you go back to your your coach he responds back based on how you communicate to him so if you actually said that you were going to score the goal then he's all super happy and and like you know and and like yeah and then and then he like he reacts very positively to that so i kind of like this sort of like it gives you like a, a a peek behind the scenes um about what really happens and there's also stuff too like you can even have like uh like you can host parties for your teammates you can invite them over to your house stuff like that so um, yeah, so there's a lot of depth to it, I thought. Um, though the thing is, like, in terms of uh, things that I didn't like, there, there's not a whole lot to really talk about because it's, I only had a chance to play for a few hours and I, I didn't, like, I didn't actually, you know, I played, I would say, a few games, not definitely not a full season or anything like that. So at this point, like, I'm not uh, really sure, like, how my decisions will impact, um, like, my character and, 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 the narrative overall so that i just sort of have questions about that uh i'm just not sure about how satisfying the mode is going to be over multiple seasons because ea mentioned that the be a pro is going like their focus actually on building out this big narrative experience is just for the rookie year so the following years that you that when you play this mode you're still going to have some of the narrative elements but it's not going to have as much focus from ea like the first year did. So I'm not really too sure, like, you know, does that mean you're going to have less conversations or you're going to have less meaningful conversations or, you know, how's that all going to play out? So that's a question that I have. And the other thing too, that is that the conversations that you have with your coach and your players, they're all plain text. 
So I would have liked if they were voice acted. I understand why they're they're not, because that would have been you know a lot more time consuming and costly to do. But um, but yeah, it's you know you're you're basically reading all the the questions and and then you're responding back and your character um you know responds back in plain text too. So um, but overall, like I thought, there's a lot of promise. I'm definitely excited to check it out. Like it's cool that they're actually finally blowing out this mode, and yeah. You know, the game comes out in a few days, so I'm really excited to go check it out. Yeah, they did that with Madden as well, too, and FIFA. So it's cool to see that NHL getting the same treatment. And yeah, it'll be here soon. I can't wait to check it out as well, too. Uh, that's game over for this episode. I'm Dapper Tux. And I'm Next Gen Player. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Dapper underscore Tux and at Next Gen Player. We are always down to play.